This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Good morning. Everyone doing good today? Yeah? Uh, Stark difference from last week. We were packed out, and we're not packed out this morning, but we're glad you're here. I know there's a lot that are traveling, a lot that are out, and we, we encourage you to be out when you need to be out, but we encourage you to be here when you can be here. Good announcement, Pastor Kevin, and we thank you for coming. I'm meeting new people over and over and over again as we are coming out of COVID, and this isn't a good thing. It's a good thing, good thing to see new faces as well as some old faces that are coming back, and we welcome you. As, as you drove onto our campus this morning, East Campus, and as you, if you're going to both, you'll go over to South Campus. Uh, yesterday, we had an amazing, wor- amazing work crew that came in and sacrificed their day to make everything look beautiful and smell good. And uh, would you just give a round of applause to all those that came and worked and labored? As I was walking through our campus this campus, I was in charge of inside here yesterday and uh, walking through South Campus as I dropped over there, walking through and just realizing how blessed we are. Think about how blessed we are, not just as an individual, but can I, can I tell you, we're blessed as a church. Relevant Life Church, God has blessed us. And uh, we have two amazing campuses that God has given us um, that we're able to, to minister to a lot of people, but we also have the responsibility of stewarding those facilities, right? So thank you for coming out yesterday and helping us steward them, helping us care for them. It's been two long years. Uh, 2019 was the last time that we were to pu- able to pull everybody together to help us get in and do cleaning. And so thank you for joining us and helping us making that happen. Today we have a really special announcement. Uh, Two, two really important people, they're not sitting by each other this moment, but today they are celebrating an anniversary, a 23rd anniversary. And so I'm going to ask uh, Tiffany to stand here and Sasser to stand back there. Today is their 23rd anniversary. Would you give them a round of applause? Yeah, 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 yeah. We like to celebrate marital success. Amen. God is good. God is faithful. Today, uh, one of my favorite people in all the world is coming to bless us with her presence. To, mostly God is going to bless us with his presence, but through her. Uh, she is a powerhouse. She has been someone that has impacted my life day after day after day. Uh, I was going to say for th- almost 36 years, but 38 because we've known each other for a long time. Uh, Rhonda's coming to preach this morning. Would you give her a round of applause as she comes? This table is sparkly for those of you that weren't in the front row and didn't hear me. It's kind of cool. So would you do something for me this morning? We've already prayed, but I want you to to put your hands on your ears. And we can pray with our eyes open, can't we? Would you say, Lord, would you anoint my ears to hear today? Would you put your hands on your heart? And when you say, God, may my heart soil be ready. For what you have for me today. I think this message has something for all of you because that's what I prayed that it would do. But I gotta be honest with you, for the past couple months, I've wrestled with the topic of today's message. As a bivocational pastor working full time for the state of Oregon, I don't often have the opportunity to preach from the morning pulpit. So when Pastor Kevin asked, would I preach during the relationship series, I enthusiastically said, yes! And then Trenton sent me the layout, and I saw my topic, and I was like, 
I have the topic of dating. And I was like, hmm, this will be interesting. I haven't been on a first date as a single woman for 40 plus years. So I was like, hmm, why me? Then, um, you know, when I think about back when I was single, I thought about dating a lot. How many of you as singles can be honest and raise your hand? You've done some thinking about dating. There's a few brave ones, yeah. How many of you will say that even when your children begin to date, you did some serious thinking about dating? Well, that's when I started thinking it about again. And Trenton will tell you, I leaned into his life. My daughter would tell you the same thing. I really thought, prayed about, was interested in dating when my kids were dating. But both of my children are happily married, and my grandchildren are too young to be thinking about dating. So I haven't honestly thought about dating for years. So I was like, oh. So then I jokingly had a conversation with Kevin and Trenton, and I was like, um, me preaching about dating? What's up with that? And um, when you think about I, for me to step into the pulpit, it's been quite a while since I've been here. In the last two years, have been busy with other things. And especially this last year, I've been focusing more on kicking cancer and recovering from chemo, not finding a date and choosing a mate. So I was like, why, why this topic? But Trent said, Mom, you had a lot of wisdom when I was dating, and I think you're the perfect one to preach this sermon. So, with my confidence building, I leaned into the topic and I began to do some research of current dating statistics. What single people are saying about dating? I talked to some of you in here. How Christian dating differs from what the world looks like when they're dating. I listened to other leaders and pastors share their their perspectives on dating, and what I learned has shaped my message today. But the biggest thing that God did was burden my heart for those who are single and wanting to date. I realized that this is an area that Satan has gained some serious ground since I dated. And that while I'm no longer in the dating arena, I have a big responsibility to pray for, to mentor, to care about those who are dating around me. So, if you are available to date, or if you want to date someday soon, my message is definitely for you. And if you're not part of the current dating world, please don't tune me out. Please don't tune me out. There's something for you here, too. And I loved it because my son, who is always a cheerleader in my life, he said, and mom, you know, one of the things you can encourage is those of you who are married, keep dating your spouse. Some of these principles won't look exactly the same, but a lot of them have a really important reference for those of you who are married. You need to date your spouse. And if you haven't been on a date with your spouse in a really long time, I kind of challenge you. Go home today and make a date with your spouse. Would you do that? Um, As parents, friends, and fellow Christians, as a church family to the singles in this room, it's important that we understand the struggles they face and that we care about them and to be involved when God provides opportunity for us to do so. How many of you are with me? You're going to lean into singles a little bit different, especially those dating after today's message. All right, see, you're ready to go. So last week was Easter, and so we took a break from the relationship series to celebrate our risen Savior. How many of you had a really good Easter? 
Wow, that wasn't too enthusiastic. You must still be in that chocolate coma. Trenton did an amazing job the Sunday before Easter talking about singleness as a gift. And if you missed it, I really encourage you, no matter what season of life you're in, to go back and listen to it. And during that sermon, Pastor Trenton talked about the illustration that another pastor shared with him when he was single, and he was wondering if Allie was the one he wanted to spend his life with. It was the illustration of being single and running your race in pursuit of God. You're running after God's purposes for you, and you look around, and you see other people running beside you. You might even see an attractive person of the opposite sex, and you take note of them. And what did he say? Keep running. And that every so often, you look over there and see if that really cute person is still running alongside you and if they're headed in the same direction. So to play off that illustration, dating in a nutshell is when you are running hard after God's purposes and you still see the person running beside you and you use the time that you're running to evaluate. Is this person the one I want to grab hands with And is this the person I want to run into the future with? And is this the person I want to live out God's purposes with? Dating is the season of life where evaluation happens. Dating is not a status you achieve. It's a process that you go through. An evaluation is the act or result of evaluating something. It's determination of the value the nature, the character, or the quality of something or someone. That's why I say dating is the evaluation period. It's where you're figuring out that other person and how they fit with you and your purposes that God's called you to do. A single person who wants to follow godly principles when dating will realize that a search of the Bible finds zero mentions of the word dating. So while dating itself is not in the Bible, it does have plenty to say about how we evaluate the actions and the behaviors of other people and of ourselves. So it still has a lot to say about dating, it just doesn't use the word dating. In fact, the book of Proverbs is filled with relationship advice. And a couple of great examples are from Proverbs 27.15 and 25.28. Proverbs 27.15 says, A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Anyone in here ever been under a leaky roof when it's raining? It's miserable, right? It's even unhealthy in the long run. It damages the house. Guys, what the Bible says is if you don't want to run your race with a girl who's argumentative, And the only way you're going to know is if you evaluate her actions and her behaviors. Watch how she treats other people. Is her life full of drama with her friends, her family, and her roommates? Does it seem like she always has a beef with someone? Watch her behavior. Watch her conversation. Is there damage in her wake? Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city that is broken into and without walls, so is a person who has no self-control over his spirit. Ladies, that says to me, a man without self-control is like a city without walls. Walls are meant to protect the city. You don't want to share your future with someone who doesn't make you feel safe. 
Watch him. Listen to how he treats the waiters and the waitstaff. How does he treat his parents or his siblings? Does he get angry easily? Is he a bully? Is he belittling with his words, even in jest? You will never be safe with a man like this. So my sermon today won't focus on the how to date. The primary focus is on the who that is involved when you date. When you, are a Christ, when you as a Christ follower are dating, I want to offer some evaluation criteria for the four who's that are involved when you date. The first who is God. You need to evaluate your relationship with God. And this goes back to week one of the relationship series when Pastor Kevin unpacked this statement. Every healthy relationship flows from a right and healthy relationship with God. The evaluation questions to ask yourself, do I love God first and do I love God completely? That's a great evaluation of your relationship with God. Mark 12.30 says, and it's a good verse, to evaluate your own relationship with the Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with part of your heart, half of your soul, a little bit of your mind, and maybe, if you feel like it, your strength. No, it says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Do you love God? Evaluate with your heart. In the Greek, this means the middle of you, your emotions, your feelings, your inclinations. Does every, this is the question to ask, does every emotion, does every feeling that you have, everything you're inclined to do, reflect your relationship with God? With all of your soul. In the Greek, this means your breath or your spirit. This speaks of deep thought and deliberate choice. Does every choice you make reflect your relationship with God? What about with all of your mind? In the Greek, this means the faculty, the inherent mental and physical power. Does how you think about God, yourself, and others demonstrate that you have a personal walk with Jesus that shapes your thinking and shapes your actions? With all of your strength, the Greek meaning is power, might, force, and ability. Can people visually see that you have a relationship with God through what you do? Are you his hands and feet to those around you? If you love God like this while you're in the dating arena, while you're currently married, you can have confidence that you will make wiser choices. You won't be perfect this side of heaven, but if you, your love for God is this all-encompassing, it will impact you and it will impact who you choose to date. Number two, the second who is yourself. You need to evaluate your, oops, great. I just lost my whole, sorry about that, people. I knew this was going to happen. The second one is you need to evaluate yourself. The scripture says in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, it tells us, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. 
The singleness sermon already focused on becoming the best you, but I just want to share a few practical things that you can do to evaluate yourself. Number one, you need to deal with your past. How do you do this? Do an inventory, and with godly counsel, do the work to deal with unresolved childhood issues, trust issues, self-esteem issues. How many of you will volunteer in this room and say, as a married person, you still deal with self-esteem issues, not because you magically got married and it all went away. It's so good that you deal with this stuff before you bring it into a relationship. How about unforgiveness issues? The goal is to bring as little baggage of your old self into this dating relationship. And the second thing you can do is live today with your future in mind. Get out of debt. Get help with your addictions. Learn to communicate and how to deal with conflict. How many who knows that in dating relationships and in marital relationships, there's still conflict? It doesn't magically go away. Build something as you get ready in your future. Something that you take into that relationship, like education or your character, or you already have really solid friends and mentors. How about your church habits? How about your giving habits? How about areas of ministry? Don't wait until you're in a relationship before you do these things. Develop them now. You want to become the person who would attract the kind of person you're looking to date. Think about that. You want to become the person who would attract the kind of person you're looking to date. The third you can do to evaluate yourself is to develop healthy boundaries and habits in the present. How do you do this? Create and live on a budget. Be faithful in your giving. Learn to save money. Pursue godly mentors. Use social media wisely. Become an encourager. Do you know how many times in a dating relationship that you're going to be the one that encourages that other person? Become an encourager now where it's easier and it comes natural. Take care of your physical body, healthy eating, exercise, and sleep. Learn to communicate clearly your wants and your needs. You know, I've watched people sometimes step into a dating relationship, and they have wants or needs, and you know how they communicate them? Pouting or manipulation. It's painful. It's destructive. Learn to communicate your needs in a healthy way before you're ever in a dating relationship. Practice honor and respect for other people. You'll have to learn to do that in a dating relationship. Those are things you can do to create healthy habits in the present that make you a better person to date. The most significant boundary that you must set before you begin to date is to create clear physical boundaries. God and the current culture we live in have very different expectations of sex. And I know the word makes people uncomfortable, and that's not my goal, so hang on. This won't take long, but it's important to remember that the world will not shy away from this topic, and the church cannot be silent. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. God wants married couples to have great sex. And he created our bodies to enjoy that physical act of marriage. 
He also made our bodies to physically respond to foreplay that leads us to intercourse. So when dating singles are enjoying makeout sessions, they are in fact involving themselves in the act that God designed to prepare your bodies to think, I'm getting ready to have sex. When a dating couple participates in foreplay over and over, eventually they will find their defenses down and they will give into what their actions have prepared their bodies to do. It's science, people. So I encourage you, if you are interested in dating or if you are in the middle of dating, setting physical boundaries that honor the word of God is the most important thing you can do. And I can't encourage you enough. Please recognize what your body was set up to do. In other words, foreplay is sex. It's all sex. And in the marriage bed, it is God's design. Outside of marriage, it will take you down a path that is not spirit-led. It will confuse your emotions. And it will tempt you to have sex before you're married, even when you're committed to being pure. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 6.28, Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? And the answer to this question we all would say is a big fat no. So don't let the world's pattern change what the Bible declares is truth. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. Making out is wrong outside of marriage. It leads your body to think it's prepared for something you should not be involved in until you are married. Everybody take a deep breath. We're done with that part. Phew. The third who in dating, um, in the dating relationship, is the person that you date. You need to evaluate the person you date. And I'm just going to focus on two areas because they're really big areas and they impact a lot of the other things. First of all, you need to ask, does the person you are dating or you're interested in dating have an allegiance to your God? An allegiance is to have loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior or of an individual to a group or a cause. Allegiance is not a label you wear. Saying I'm a Christian is not an allegiance. It's a commitment. Allegiance is a commitment to the cause. You want to date someone who's committed to the cause of Christ. In the very first book of the Bible, there's a perfect example of what allegiance to your God looks like in the person you date. In chapter 24 of the book of Genesis, it starts out with Abraham deciding it's time to find a wife for his son Isaac. And I realize you may not marry every person you date, but it would be rare and unusual in America today to marry someone that you never dated. And since I have already stated that dating is the evaluation period where you use the time to find the person that you want to run into the future with, living out God's purposes together, it's important to also state you don't want to date or continue to date someone that you would never marry. Do they have an allegiance to your God? Genesis 24, 1-4 states, Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living. 
but you will go to the country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. Abraham had just one instruction for the servant. My son cannot marry a Canaanite. And that wasn't an ethnic decision. What he was saying is that the people of Canaan did not have an allegiance. They didn't have the same loyalty. They didn't have the same commitment to the God that Abraham had been walking with his, for his life. He was a man of faith, and his family was a family of faith. They trusted in God. And when he got ready to choose a wife, which is the way they did it back then, whew, aren't you glad it's not like that today? He knew that the person he chose must have the same faith. They had to have the same allegiance. And you know why that is? It's because your allegiance, what you're committed to, what you're loyal to, determines what you value. And your values choose your goals. And your goals choose your decisions. And every decision you make determines the kind of life you're going to have. And that's a reality. So you want someone with the same allegiance. A.W. Tozer says it this way. The most important thing about somebody is what they believe about God. Wow, that's a really powerful statement when you think about that. Most of the time, we don't start there. But the most important thing about somebody is what do they believe about God? The most important thing about the person you date is not how smart, how sexy, how rich, how funny, or talented they are. It's not even the most important thing how much they love you. What's most important is what do they believe about God. Before you link your life up with someone, you need to look at where they're going. Like Abraham, you need to look for someone who's running after the Lord and who shares your faith. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? If you are following the Lord and your life is to love him and to please him and make him known, and you're linked with someone who is an unbeliever or even someone apathetic in their walk with the Lord, you will not be headed in the same direction. Imagine if you were handcuffed to somebody and you're trying to run hard after the Lord and they're over here sitting on the couch or running completely in the opposite direction. Somebody's going to get pulled off course. And you don't want that to be you. One of you will be pulled off course by the binds, the things that bind you together. On the biggest decisions of life, chase the same cause. Run in the same direction. And you know what this means in that analogy that Trenton used? This means that a lot of really cute, successful humans will run right by you. And that's okay. Don't settle. Don't settle. The second evaluation question you should decide about the person you date is, do they have godly character? Is their life shaped by God? They don't just need to have an allegiance to God. They need to be submitted to the process of God shaping their lives and cutting away what doesn't belong and shaping them to be like him. It's deeper than someone who calls themselves a Christian. You want to watch their life. What prompts their decision? Watch what's driving what they do. Watch their character. 
Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Don't you want to be with someone who prospers even when life is hard? Ladies, does the guy you're dating live to please the Lord above all? Watch him. Does his morality go out the window when he's faced with a difficult decision where the truth isn't on his side or in his best interest? Is he deceitful? Does he lie to get ahead or stay out of trouble? Does he have integrity? Does he seek counsel and wisdom from godly friends or from mentors? You want someone who has integrity rooted in something other than you. You don't want to be his source. You want someone who's firmly planted in God so that his life bears fruit. And you know what? You'll be a beneficiary of that godly fruit in his life, like kindness, like meekness, like self-control. The list goes on and on of the fruit that will be in the life of a person who's planted deeply in God. Guys, Proverbs 31 tells us what a godly woman looks like. Verses 25 through 30 says, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. You know what that says to me? She smiles at the future. She's not afraid. Going into something unknown, she's not afraid of that. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household, and she does not eat the fruit of idleness. She's not lazy. Her children rise up and bless her, and her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Guys, you want a woman who fears the Lord. Don't settle for she makes me laugh, and she has a really sexy body, or she's funny, or she loves me. You want to date a woman that when she speaks to you, it's with wisdom. You don't want a woman that uses her words to cut you down or to blow you off. But instead, her words help you become the very best man you can be. You want a woman that doesn't just look out for her own welfare, but she looks out for everyone under her influence, her household. She cares about the people in her influence. She's not self-absorbed. And you won't learn these things about a man or a woman on your first date. Dating is the evaluation period. During the dating, you want to find out if that person you could ultimately be bound to has integrity that comes from God and that God is their source, not you. And you won't find that out if you're too busy worrying about things that don't matter. The last who is the you as a dating couple. Evaluate your relationship as a couple. As you do this, ask the question, do you have healthy connections with other people? And I would say the first thing to do would be, do you have godly mentors? And are you pursuing them as a couple? Make sure it's someone solid in their walk with God. 
The benefits of godly mentors when dating are numerous. Some of them are mentors in your life when you're dating are there to affirm and encourage you. How many of you in a married relationship can look back and go, there were times when the relationship was rocky and it was really nice to have godly mentors and people who spoke into your life to encourage you. You want somebody who leads by their example. You want somebody who holds you as a couple accountable. You want somebody that can give good godly advice and provide a listening ear. That's especially important if you're somebody like me that processes verbally out loud. Sometimes having somebody to just listen means I can get to a healthy conclusion just because I talked it out with somebody who can hear what I'm saying and just my own ears hearing it. I can go, wow, this makes sense or oh, this is crazy thinking. You want somebody who in your life is a good listener Um, because you know what? You won't stop growing. As a couple, you're going to continue to grow, and you'll continue to grow as an individual. Healthy connections with other people. You also want to make and keep your own friends. That may sound really strange to you, and I can tell you why. No person can fulfill all your needs, and your person that you're dating won't do that. And if, if you try to be somebody's everything, it leads to a codependency, which is actually an unhealthy emotional behavioral condition that prevents a mutually satisfying relationship. You don't want to be codependent on that other person. Did you ever stop to think those really good friends that you have now that have helped shape and form who you are, they're actually some of the people who have shaped and formed what that person who wants to date you is attracted to. You want to keep your friends. You don't want to be in a relationship that's so exclusive that you don't keep your good friends. Friends encourage you. They add a different perspective to life's circumstances. They pray with you and for you. They help you process your emotions. They help you build healthy connections with other healthy people. The other thing you want to evaluate about yourself as a couple is to evaluate, do you have healthy connections with each other? And this is where I'm going to tell you that chemistry is important. And too many singles will lead with this. It does matter, but it shouldn't be the leading factor in a dating relationship. Your individual relationships with Jesus and your integrity should be the basis for the relationship. And if that's settled, then you do need to know that you like spending time with each other and that you find each other interesting. That's that chemistry thing. Just because the person you date fulfills all of your other evaluation criteria doesn't mean you have to date somebody that bores you to tears or irritates you with their behavior. When dating is done right and it leads to marriage, you have to understand that a lot of time in marriage is just hanging out together and talking to each other. So you gotta be able to do that when you're dating. I know there are some of you who haven't gotten married yet that thinks marriage is all about sex, and I'll just tell you, that's not a reality. I had somebody this last week tell me that they had a young person come to me and go, man, I'm just so shocked. They were shocked that after they got married, it wasn't all about sex. It really isn't. That's a great part of it. But the reality is you spend a lot of time just talking together and doing things together. And you want to know, does that person bore you to tears when they talk? If you're so busy in your dating relationship that the physical connection is all you can think about, can I just tell you, 
You're not going to be aware that you want him to shut up and go away when they talk. You're not going to be aware that every little thing he does is like fingernails on a chalkboard. You don't want to date somebody that you're not, there's not a chemistry. You spend a lot of time with them just doing things. And you don't want it to be somebody that you don't have a chemistry with. Again, let me say it one more time. Don't let sexual exploration happen during dating. It only clouds getting to know the other person. And not only is it disobeying God's word, it can lead to a marriage with someone you don't really like or enjoy being with. If sexual exploration is the majority of the relationship, it masks those things I was talking about. Chemistry also includes the question, are you compatible? You know, it's really interesting that you watch people who think they're compatible and they didn't work through some of that. And it may not be a deal breaker, but in that evaluation period of dating, you want to understand what does that person believe theologically? Are you on the same page? You'll both get to heaven if you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. But will you have a lot of other messy baggage because one of you believes in hymns and the other one likes loud guitar music for worship? You think about the things that cause friction in a relationship and you want to work through that, that chemistry part of it. Don't look for a mirror image of yourself. You want someone who compliments you. They don't have to do all the same things you do, but you do have to get along. I heard one pastor give this as an illustration. He said, my wife and I, he said, I love to run. And my wife is like, absolutely not. He goes, that's not a deal breaker. He goes, but you know what? If she said before we ever got married, I hate to be outside and I don't do any outdoor activities. He goes, that would have been a difficult thing for me. I needed somebody who enjoyed the outdoors like I did. So there are things in your life that you need to know, is this a deal breaker or is this something that we just need to work through and understand? Your connection with each other is healthy if you respect and live in the boundaries that you set as individuals. You set them for a reason. Don't toss them out when you need them the most. Know your non-negotiables. Know your deal breakers. Work through the other stuff together and sometimes with wise counsel. But keep your healthy boundaries and your habits. It will actually strengthen a good relationship. Now, I want to take a moment to talk to the teenagers in the room. I realize that what I've unpacked today is dating with marriage as the goal. And some of you are like, I'm too young to get married. I just want to have fun. Some of you aren't even driving yet. You don't work a job and you're still trying to figure yourself out. And these seem like some really heavy guidelines for where you're at in life. And I get that. But if you wait until you're ready to date seriously before you develop and apply what does fit now, you will go down paths that create heartache and damage. You will have regrets and maybe even set yourself up to fall out of relationship with Jesus. And that would be heartbreaking. Have fun and date with very clear boundaries. Work to become a healthy, growing, God-fearing, God-pursuing teenager. That should be your number one goal. Evaluate that person at school that makes you laugh and is really good looking. Even in their growing, learning teenage years, do they have a relationship with Jesus? Do they have godly character? Do their actions match their words? Set 
biblical physical boundaries. Don't put yourself in situations that can't be overcome. Your fleshly desires, and I promise you, your hormone-driven body will get the best of you. If you want to be pure, you have to have healthy boundaries. And you know what, teenagers? If you have godly parents, listen to their wise counsel. Don't sneak and hide from them. Listen to your youth pastor, to your pastor. When they bring caution, it's because they care for you and they see you headed towards a guardrail and they don't want you to crash and burn. They're there to help guide you. And parents of teenagers, it's not your job to be your teenager's friend. That can happen when they're an adult. You have a responsibility to guide and set healthy boundaries for your son and daughter. Pray for them. Pray with them. Seek godly counsel if you as a parent are in over your head. And never assume your teenager gets it. Be consistent. Ask questions. Be suspicious. Have hard conversations and stick your nose in their business. Be their parent. Amen? Thank you. I see way too many kids that are struggling for a parent to say, no, that's not okay in my house. And they may not like it, and they may give you guff, but can I tell you today, there are also broken-hearted adults whose parents tried to be their friend and never set the guidelines they need. Parents, be the parent. That's what you're called to do. The Bible says this, the biblical role of a parent is not, is to be a good steward of your children. God placed them in your care. He gave them to you to watch over. You have a responsibility to care for their spiritual, their emotional, and their physical well-being. The most important biblical duty of a parent is to teach your children about Jesus in your actions and your words. And sometimes they won't like it. And that's okay. Be consistent. Be the parent. And teenagers, you listen to them. Because this pastor gave them permission to stick their nose in your business. Okay? Blame it on me. You can be mad at me. Because I know in the long run, they're there to protect you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And I want to ask today, is there, first of all, is there a person in this room, maybe there's more than one of you, who didn't have goodly, good godly advice about dating, and maybe you want prayer today because you're struggling in a marriage relationship where you know that person you live with doesn't have the same allegiance that you do. Nobody's looking around. Bow your heads. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. I see that hand. Anyone else? Online, if you're praying with me today. God, I pray for those who know from what I'm sharing today from personal experience, the pain that comes from being unequally yoked to someone that doesn't have allegiance to you. God, I pray that you supernaturally would work in that relationship and call their spouse unto you. Holy Spirit, go after them. 
Help that person who's discouraged today to not hear my words as condemnation, but they would recognize that God is never going to give up on their spouse and they can trust you to continue to reach towards them. Father, help them to be the kind of spouse that is a great example of who you are in love and words and deeds. I want to ask today, again, no one looking around, is there someone who's in a dating relationship and you recognize today this is probably not the best dating relationship? If this person beside you is here and you don't want to raise your hand, that's fine. I want you to know, I want to pray with you that you're going to have the courage to deal rightly with this wrong relationship. Father, I ask today for anyone in the room who's walking in a relationship that they know already from very little evaluation is not a relationship they should be in. God, give them the boldness and the courage to step back and say, nope, we need to stop dating. This is not a relationship I want to be in. God, give them the courage to believe that they cannot, they don't have to settle. You have something better for them. And God, help them to walk in courage today. If you're a, a, a person today, young or old, and you're interested in dating, and what I've shared with you today, you want to say, help me. I want you to pray that I'll have the the ability to develop some of these. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. Thank you. Anybody else? Father, I thank you for those people that are in the room today that recognize dating is a period of evaluation and they're interested in finding someone that they can walk alongside of in life and pursue you. God, I pray that as they work on their relationship with you and as they work on developing who they are, And God, maybe they see someone they're interested in. And Lord, I just pray that you would help them run after you. And God, when they realize that they're running in the same direction and there's a person running alongside them, and God, they can be confident that it's time to begin to evaluate and maybe ask that person out. Jesus, we just pray that you would guide our footsteps in Jesus' name. And then if you're a parent today and you want to be the best parent you can be, And you want me to pray with you that you will have the courage to parent your children the way God asks you to parent them. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. Father, I thank you for every parent in the room, every grandparent in the room, every aunt, every uncle. God, us as a church family, that you would help us to be what you've called us to be as we walk alongside the single and the dating in our body, in our homes, our friends. God, that we would be parents that recognize that you put on us a responsibility to raise our children and to steward them as gifts from you, that they would know you and love you and walk with you. Jesus, may we have the courage to make the tough decisions, to have the hard conversations. And God, I pray protection over every home represented in this room. I know that the enemy's job is to steal and kill and destroy, and he desires that above all else. And God desires that we be like him and that we walk in fruit and that we walk in holiness and that we will walk in health and that God we are united and there is harmony and peace and I pray those things over each and every home in the name of Jesus thank you Lord 
Thank you for your word that gives guidance about relationships, that helps us know how we can evaluate ourselves and others around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And I just want you to stand this morning, if you will. And I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. And you know what? This is something that I will just encourage you today. There is no need that you have that's too small for God. And if you want somebody that will link arms with you and pray with you over something, would you come today and let our prayer team pray with you? They have prayed all week for you. And if you have a need today, will you come? If you have a physical need, if you have a a need that's not physical, but you need someone to agree with you, come, because that's what our prayer team is for. And for those of you online, would you send in those prayer needs and we will continue to pray with you as well. You're dismissed. Have a great week. And again, be wise with your evaluation during this time, would you? Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.